Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we are talking Manhattan today, and we got our, our great dear friend, Nikki Beauchamp from Angle Volkers, joining us. I always love myself some Nikki. Um, she always has some great wisdom that I think um, all agents can, can benefit from. Always tells it like it is. And, and you know, Nikki, you're always just, you're always plugged in to all of the changes and the, the social media, everything that you need to do as an agent to adapt to a changing technological world around you, social world around you. You just seem to master it. So thank you for coming here today. Um, I love you. And I'm going to start out with a question, Nikki, right off the bat. Please tell everyone what's going on in the markets today. Gosh, that's always the question I feel that we all dread. And there's so much fear and uncertainty based on what people read about the Fed, what they see, they see the national numbers, and it says, oh, it's going to be down, you know, 20, 25%. And we always have to dial it back and remind people that real estate is very, very local. What's going on here is very different than the rest of the country, and then drill down into the reasons why. And you know, for my clients, I think for everybody, you always have to understand how all the pieces are fitting together and then look at your individual client and figure out what is it that they need to do. If I have a client who says to me, look, I have been on the sidelines, but I really want to get settled and buy something. And I want to be able to be closed by like spring or, you know, March. That literally means we need to be out there looking right now, especially with the craziness in, co in the co-op market. So we need to look right now. We need to take a look at your, at your parameters, take a look at the pricing, take a look at the differences in price reductions, try to identify the properties once we see them. Okay, which ones are you most interested? Why are you most, is it price? Is it condition? And then try to come up with a literal strategy. And it takes that time of understanding each individual is its own ecosystem. We can't just blanket say to people that everybody wants to buy or it's, it's the, right, the right time for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like that's never true literally in any market. Right. And, and, and there's so much, there's so much here that I'm looking to unpack. And before I actually get to like the, the meaningful questions, I just want to back up because I think you said something very interesting and I think it bears repeating, which is a lot of us in the industry take these things for granted, but timeline is one that we all know what those timelines are. But I'm curious, Nikki, when you're, you're dealing with a lot of buyers and I'm curious, would you say the level of na naivete of buyers is still sort of kind of pretty high when it comes to the timelines. They don't quite understand that, hey, listen, I'm looking to buy a co-op and I want to close in January. It's like, well, it's, it's not, even if you buy cash, it's not necessarily going to happen because it's the holidays. You got the board meetings, you got all of these things. I'm curious, is there yeah, any limit on that front? I mean, I mean, it's funny because last year, last year, November of last year, I had a buyer who came to New York and she specifically, the buyer wanted to find something Remember when we thought the international buyers were all going to be showing up like that first full week of November? So she timed her arrival to New York to shop for the very beginning of November. It was a cash transaction. We were in contract by mid-November. We closed, I think, at the end of February. 
Right. Exactly. So, you know, and and people don't really understand how long it can take to negotiate, how long it can take. Your attorney's doing due diligence. I think attorneys, especially now, post-COVID, that has been one benefit of the post-COVID world, I think, or whatever world we're in, that that timeline can be compressed. But all of the other things can still take a very long time, never mind the actual you know, yeoman, gargantuan project of putting together a board package. And that deal I mentioned, literally the biggest board package I think I've ever done in my life. There were like 20,000 pieces of paper. Yeah, I know. And it's like, there's, there's, there's a, there's like a missing patch of forest somewhere and birds are crying. (laughs) There's a missing patch. I tell people I killed, I tell people I killed trees for a living. Right. So, and let me get back now to, to the original question I wanted to ask, which is, buyer sentiment because i mean this market really is uh in the market's powered by bids i mean the market is where the buyers are and i guess that's my question to you is where are those buyers and what are they thinking i think a lot of people were definitely sidelined by the increase in interest rates it put them they put it completely on pause or they completely recalibrated what they were looking for so my a buyer that might have been looking for a three bedroom might now be looking for a two bedroom and is very sensitive to what they want their monthly payment to be. But if they're a co-op buyer, you also have to be very sensitive to the balance between what you need to put down as a minimum for the building, what you need in post-closing liquidity, what your debt to income ratio needs to be. So you can't, even if you have all the cash to put 50% down, let's say in a non 50% down building, it might not be the wisest thing to do because it's completely going to shift, not your DTI, but your post-closing liquidity. And knowing what is most important to each board requires so much of that nuance. That's part of why I think, you know, we as brokers, that's, that's part of, that's a big part of the value that we bring. We bring that nuance and market intelligence that you can't see just from looking on a portal and seeing seeing the price. Yeah, and I'm curious, yeah. Nikki, um, do buyers think that we've stabilized in our market or do they think we're still falling? Combination of both. Combination of both. And that's really where you have to dial down into the sort of niche submarkets, neighborhood by neighborhood, building by building, and examine those trends. I was talking to a buyer and we were looking in one specific neighborhood, basically two specific buildings. And there were a couple of things on the market. I go, "Ah, you know, I'm willing to wait because I think I can, more will come on. And I said, well, in this building, here are the things that this building is actively about to start doing. So the pricing that you see now is not going to be the same. First of all, a lot of people who need to sell in this building are literally on the market now. Everybody Mm -hmm. else is probably going to wait until those improvements are done. And then the price is going to be different. So you have a choice. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to talk about that for a second, because you, you talk about how long it takes to close. Okay. And I think I'm hearing anecdotally from a lot of agents that buyers, buyer sentiment in general, um, is that we're in a depreciating market. And I'm not denying that, but what I would argue is that we've depreciated 
We've already depreciated. We've already shifted down. All of the metrics that I'm seeing is showing stabilization. In terms of liquidity and deal volume, we're just at a new lower level, which is below trend. My point is we're in it. And if you're going to wait for the closed, the closed sales data that you just explained that it takes months and months and months, you know, you sign today, you're closing in February or March. That's the reality. And, so and that's, that's when the data is going to come out, which is not a timely thing if you're following closed sales data. And that's the reality. I think a lot of buyers and sellers don't understand all of the nuances behind the data when it's released, how, how, how far back it actually lags. Then you have yeah. the insanity of if we're trying to compare, I mean, it's kind of, it's bonkers and bananas to look at year over year numbers where 2021 was literally bananas. There's right, no, yeah. there's no ifs, ands, or buts. So yeah. you have to be able to explain that nuance in order to get people to understand what the current real time market is and yeah. how that overlays with their goals. If you, yeah. if you no longer want to continue paying, you know, if you're renting and you don't want to keep, you don't want to be in that rental come March, April, you know, May and June, you have to be looking now to see, are there properties on the market that fit your specific criteria? And keeping in mind that it's very highly likely that people who are actively trying to sell now, like realistic people, are actually going to be motivated to get a deal done. So why not if this is your moment and it's the property that makes sense for you and the numbers work, yeah, is this not your opportunity? And I think to your point about the, um, the, that sort of market shift, if we think back to coming out of that period, this period right now reminds me a little bit of that period when we were sort of inching out of COVID mm -hmm. and people were still waiting for more of a bottom, more of a bottom, more of a bottom. And then they decided they wanted to act, but by the time they were acting, it had already started to go inch slowly back in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I was just that... going to point. So, go ahead. Noah. Go ahead, John. But thank, I, I was just going to point out one thing, um, you know, that we were talking about this lag between the real-time market and its closed sales, probably four to six months is what that lag is. Um, note. All right. I am starting to see some mixed positive data in the sales over the last few months relative to the months and quarters previously. And what that's suggesting to me, this is the media is not gonna touch this for months. So this is very early leading indicator type of stuff. Choose to do with it what you will, but don't be surprised if those Q4 numbers come out and they're not as bad on a quarter to quarter basis as everyone thinks. Um, and you have some mixed results there. It'll be very, very interesting, which is another suggestion that now's the time Buyers, now is the time. John, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, Nikki, I think you brought up an, an, an excellent analogy, which is this does really feel like coming out of COVID. And I think some of the similarities involve just sort of with the media's portrayal of the housing market. And, you know, at, at that time, right, New York City was was basically dead. Everyone had moved to Florida or Texas or, or somewhere else. So prices are about to just completely tumble. And it didn't happen, right? And it's similar to inflation, right? It goes up like a rocket, comes down like a feather you have these these periods of times of transition in which 
you know, now we're in a rising interest rate environment. And we, as Noah said, we've had that, that hit has happened. Prices have come down a little bit, maybe five or 5% or so, but sellers are kind of, you know, they're okay. And they don't necessarily need to sell. So I'm curious from a buyer sort of negotiation standpoint, what are some of the negotiation tactics you can talk to in this market in which sellers are, are not terribly desperate, buyers are not terribly desperate to pay higher? How do you bridge that gap? Data. Literally, data is how you bridge the gap um, with my buyers. And so we, we, we do the search. We identify the handful of properties that say they're interesting. And what's also interesting is that because as we've come out of uh, COVID, everybody's not always here all the time. So this, I see something, I want to go look at it right now approach doesn't always happen. They don't even mm -hmm. always have the time to do like a video tour. So sometimes these conversations happen over the course of two or three weeks. And we look at, we look, how long has something been on the market? How has it been on and off the market multiple times? Have they tried to, to rent it? How many price reductions have there been? And sometimes, you know, with, um, with two buyers that I'm working with right now, we have tracked the varying price reductions of the listings that they are interested in. And we have prioritized the listings that have shown any price reduction or multiple price reductions. And if we've seen something and the number of things that we've seen on the market that have been on the market for months with zero, zero price reduction. And which causes my buyers to go, hmm, we think we want to see that, but how motivated is this seller potentially? So then, you know, I turn around and I, you know, shoot a text message out or call the agent and say, look, you know, give me, give me some color, like tell me what's going on. And often you'll get the conversation or response from agents, look, sellers motivated but they don't they don't want to reduce the price so we haven't reduced the price but we don't have enough activity so you know bring your client if your mm -hmm. client is interested they need to make an offer so then i have to go back to the buyer and say look let's definitely go and see this if you love it if you're interested let's put together a real compelling offer but it's a difficult argument to make with a highly analytical or very informed consumer, which all of our consumers are now because they track, they have the thing saved on, you know, all the various portals and they're tracking and they'll say to me, but Nikki, there hasn't been a price change in 120 days. I don't want to bother. And I have to say to them, well, I've spoken to the listing agent, like, let's go see it. Make your decision after you have seen it or, you know, after I've seen it, if we're doing a video, um, whatever. But that's a big, that's been a big, big indicator for my buyers this year. Yeah. And I, I love that approach. Um, data is definitely the answer in addition to that as well to help get that, that buyer where it needs to be. But, um, you know, more importantly, I think buyers have this mis misconception that every seller is desperate. I mean, I don't yeah. know, maybe it just, yes. it's like an inside psychological bias that buyers, I guess every seller thinks that they have the best property. It's kind of like along those lines. Um, and it's, and it's definitely along those lines. And I always say to people, New York is a very interesting market. In other parts, I think in other parts of the country, 
very often when people are selling there, I don't, I don't want to say that there's a lot more discretion versus need here in some instances, but often we often do have people who do not need to do something at their absolute bottom line number in order to successfully execute whatever their next step is. Yeah, right. There are a few nuances to that. It could be, you know, divorces, estates, you know, things like that. But outside of those subsets, we often have clients who say, I'm going to wait for my number. The number of times that if I had a nickel for every time I heard, I'm going to wait for my number, either from a seller or when you're on a listing appointment and they go, well, I don't agree with you. I'm going to wait for my number. And you turn around and, you know, you don't take the listing and you see that they're still on the market Yeah. and, you know, they're waiting for that number. Yeah. So I know I, 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 I that... hate it. I hate it. But I, 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 the same, see, like, this is like developers to me because I think every seller has the right, like every seller has the right to take this approach. And there's, in my opinion, I look at supply and, and X percent are these types of sellers. It's at all times, whether it's contracting or, or expanding, I don't know. It's like developers. You know, it's like they, they they have 200 units, but they only put 30 on and then they don't put like put them all on, put them all in the system and then take 170 and move them off market so that we can actually see what's going on. It's full transparency. Anyway, we could talk about that for hours. We're running out of time. That's Nikki. a whole. Yeah, we're not going to. I am not asking you that question, Nikki, unless it's the beginning of the podcast. We're at the end of the podcast. I have one last question that I want to end with with you. Um, I think it's important. Social media best practices. Um, what have you learned um, and that you could tell other agents that are trying to up their game and expand their network and their reach with their messaging, messaging um, social media best practices you can um, share? So you mentioned earlier, you know, that during sort of that initial part of the pandemic, when everybody was leaving, everybody was leaving. I will remind people that in the summer of 2020, I was saying there is opportunity in this market. What that opportunity is very much depends on who you are and your individual circumstances. So instead of making, you know, crazy blanket statements, try to hone in on the messaging that makes the most sense for who your clients are. Mm -hmm. Based on who your clients are, you can frame the messaging. Uh, Try to bring the message that reflects what you are seeing in the market. Because often what we are seeing in the market, we are seeing it real time, boots on the ground, months before the media is reporting. You know, I was saying, oh, it's an opportunity in this market. And then months later, it's like, oh, here's an opportunity market. So develop your messaging along those lines. I developed my messaging specifically to target the people that I have already worked with. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, most of my business is referrals, literally from people who are practically carbon copies of the people I have already worked with. So I want to attract more of that business, more referrals from past clients, more referrals from agents in other markets. Framing the messaging so that people say, oh, the media says everybody is leaving, but Nikki said this is what she's seeing. So maybe we want to talk to Nikki and find out what's really going on in the market. 
You want people to talk to you, to engage them in conversation. So you have the opportunity to frame the data that you have for that individual specific needs. And I think that is what people should really be focused on because I will tell you that when I was locked in my house at the beginning of the pandemic, that is literally what I was doing on a daily basis. Sometimes I was ranting and raving about it. Other days I was cranky. Some days, you know, my moods go all over the place, but you know what? All I had a pretty good 2021. And all of that came from the seeds that were planted literally in during the pandemic while we were locked down during those months and i'm doing the same thing now and that is already will project for a reasonable 2020 is 2023 going to be like crazy you know 2021 was crazy we're going to see transactions but you have to really focus in on who are the people what do they need to do and frame the conversation to get those people in the mix, advising them as best we can with the information that we have. I love it. Seed it, seed it now and harvest that yield later on. And you know, you're in, you're in a slowdown market. It's not as transactional as it used to be. You got to get those buyers. You got to get those. And this is, this is, and this is the perfect, this is the perfect opportunity to look back at the year, reframe your messaging you know, do that planning, plan out your, your newsletters, your social media posts, plan out your, your mailers, like do that stuff now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. always something to do in your business. I love it. Always something to do. Good stuff. Nikki Beauchamp, thank you so much from Angle Volkers. Uh, you just give out g- great advice and just great boots on the ground um, um, insights that I love hearing. So the thank devil you so is in the details. <laughs> That's I true. I love that. That's true. <laughs> that is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We're both from Urban Digs, and this has been Talking Manhattan. And we'll catch you next time.